0: Only the God who is truly alive can truly transform your life.
1: And that is just one moment from today's Peace and Power Bible Talk with Dr. Jim Coleman. Welcome. Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. The Bible, God's message to us, teaches us to live in that flow. Remember the outline of today's talk is available in the show notes and the full transcript is posted on our website at peaceandpowerpodcast.com That's peaceandpowerpodcast.com Now let's listen for God's guidance in today's Bible Talk.
0: My favorite part of an awards event is when the humble recipient of an award, whether it is a young person receiving a sports trophy or a business owner receiving a community recognition or an actor holding an Academy Award, begins to list the people who have so supported and encouraged and taught them on their way to this accomplishment. How inspiring it is to hear the recipients say, This award really belongs to my mother. Or, This award really belongs to my customers. Or, This award really belongs to the cast. The recipient's heart willingly acknowledges credit where credit is due. King David is a very accomplished monarch. His rule is the success story of the ancient Near East. No king could boast about power, and peace, and prosperity the way David could. And David could take all the credit for himself. No one, except possibly David's prophet friend Nathan, would dare criticize such a successful monarch. But David knows better than to take credit for himself. David remembers these words the Lord once spoke to him through that prophet Nathan. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. That's in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 8 and 9. How could David arrogantly take credit for his success? Some in David's ancient near eastern neighborhood might think the gods, plural Many gods had helped David. After all, there was a God for almost every area of David's success. A God to help him in military battle, a God of wisdom, a God to make him prosperous. Doesn't our culture tempt us to give credit to these same sources, even if it doesn't use the word gods? Are there not whispers in our ear, commercials on our TV, and influences on our social media? That basically communicate, let me be in charge of your time, your energy, your life. Let me be your God. Put your faith in me. Trust me, entertainment, to make you joyful. Trust me, the lottery, to give you security. Trust me, food, to give you satisfaction. But all of these are false gods with empty promises. David insists that those in his culture who believe in many gods and praise many gods are not giving credit where credit is due. Their gratitude and thanksgiving for any good gifts and good blessings and good circumstances are being misdirected. To take all the credit themselves is wrong, and to give all the credit to their gods is most certainly wrong. David himself declares where his own praise and thanksgiving is going. It is going to the only God, the good God, the Lord, Yahweh. And there are a few verses in Psalm 86 where David says this best. He lays out why he considers the Lord the only one who deserves ultimate praise. So, listen to his words in Psalm 86, verses 8 through 13. No pagan god is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow down before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name, for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart, so I may honor you. With all my heart I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Notice first that David praises this true God's greatness in the world. And it's not a new, recently acquired greatness. It's a proven past greatness. It is as if David tosses a world history book on the table and says, Just look throughout history and you will find that God has proven his great power on this world stage. He speaks the universe into being, creates the earth and everything on it, sustains it by his power, and intervenes in world affairs through miracles, such as sending plagues on Pharaoh's Egypt and parting the Red Sea. Can any other so-called God do that? David knows that Dagon, the Philistine half-fish, half-man god of agriculture, has no power to part the Red Sea. David knows that Moloch, the god who demands child sacrifice, has no compassion to stop Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac. Even if these gods were real, were living, they are not in the same league as the Lord, Yahweh. Over and over again in history, this God has proven that he alone is the greatest God. Dagon and Moloch are now statues and museums. But the God of Israel still rules the universe. Then in verse 9, David points to a future day. In verse 8, it was proven past greatness. In verse 9, it is a promised future greatness. When all the nations of the world, whether they want to admit it or not, will acknowledge that the Lord alone is God. Isaiah prophesied that when history as we know it is over, the winning God will be clear to everyone. In Isaiah 45 verse 23, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. This is God's promised future greatness. David's prayer then reveals the key to God's greatness. And this is what deserves our praise and thanksgiving, says David. Verse 10 holds this answer. For you are great and perform great miracles. Why does God do great miracles? Because God is great. How can God perform such great acts? Because it flows from who God is. Out of God's perfect nature comes God's powerful acts. The Lord is not like the other so-called gods who have power but use it selfishly because they are selfish. They are corrupt inside. But out of God's perfect character flows God's powerful actions. Jesus says the principle is true in horticulture. Luke 6.43 A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit and then jesus compares this to human nature out of the good heart comes good actions luke 6:45 in genesis 1 at the end of each day of creation god called what god created good how could this act be good because the creator is good Why does God do great things? Because God in his own self has always been great, is now great, and forever will be great. God in God's own person is eternally great, David declares. Now, David could stop with that declaration, looking only at God's greatness in the world, past, present, future, and that is convincing enough. God the creator is perfect and powerful and so he is the absolute greatest being in the universe and beyond the universe. But David's prayer does not stop. He declares something even more incredible. God has not only proven his greatness in the world, but has proven it in David's life. And David would say, has proven it within your life, within my life. The same divine power that created the universe recreates us, recreates my heart and my mind. Earlier, David opened the world history book and proved God's greatness. But now he opens his own photo album and proves God's greatness in his own life. God's greatness doesn't stay in some dusty history book. It moves into life, my life, your life, as it did David's life. Did you hear how David puts it, that God is not just a great God, but my great God? This is the God shaping David's life. How? David is open to learning from God, being taught God's ways. Verse 11a, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. This is what David prays. Now, David lived about a thousand years before Jesus. But he would have loved being one of Jesus' disciples. (laughs) Because Jesus was a carpenter, he not only worked with wood, but with stone. Jesus had the skill to cut and plane, carve and shape wood and stone. But he left that profession to shape people, to shape them from the inside out. He's the great carpenter Shaping our lives back into the Creator's original design for our lives. What a beautiful prayer David lifts here. For the Lord to shape his lifestyle. And David knows where the Lord will begin that shaping. It is where the Lord always begins. Within the heart. So David prays, grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart I will praise you, O Lord my God. I will give glory to your name forever. When the Lord refocuses the heart on the right priorities, then a faith-filled lifestyle follows. Then David proclaims what will be the result of this. God's love will ultimately rescue David from his sins. This is why the Lord loves to save people, to rescue people from sin's grip and sin's pain. David prays, for your love for me is great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Verse 13. After hearing David's proclamation in this psalm, you and I have the opportunity to give credit where credit is due. The gods that we have sometimes looked to have let us down. They always will. They are not God. Our God is greater. It is our God, the true and the living God, Yahweh, the Lord, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God King David prayed to, and we pray to, the God who is the focus of our faith in Jesus. It is this God who deserves our praise and our thanksgiving. Here is a peace and power principle. Only the God who is truly alive can truly transform your life.
1: Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power Podcast today. And we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible Talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com. And our prayer is that God's word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.